welcome to Monsters and Mixers, the spine-chilling podcast guaranteed to quench your thirst for all things spooky and one thing drinky. Can't get enough of paranormal or true crime stories? Then this is the place for you. We are your hosts, Amy and Emma, and each episode will feature a new story and a new cocktail recipe to help calm your nerves while you listen. So grab your ingredients, pull the covers up tight, and prepare to be terrified by tales of the darkness among us. Welcome back to part two of the real life story of the exorcist as told by Father Raymond Bishop in his diary. If you haven't listened to part one, stop now. Go back, listen to part one. Uh, You definitely want to be on the same page when we begin. Um, We apologize for the delay between episodes, but I um, managed to contract COVID somehow, being vaccinated. So we've been isolating. Uh, I've been living in my bedroom for the past 10 days, trying to make sure everybody else stays healthy, which, knock on wood, so far we're all good. so just a short PSA, if you haven't been vaccinated yet, get vaccinated because that shit just kicked my ass really hard and you do not want to go in blind for sure. Yuck. But either way, take care of yourselves out there. Be safe. Uh, somebody upstairs is sneezing as I say this. So yay. Mm. All right. So moving on, not going to dwell on that too long. We have hopefully a really delicious drink today called a green demon because I was feeling kind of corny when I was researching. I've had lots of time to sit and find some stuff. It sounds delicious. Uh, haven't had a drink for a while because I've been sick, so we'll see what happens here. <laughs> Open, it's pretty good. Yeah, so the green demon is one ounce of Midori melon. So it's going to give it that green color. I'm going to make it while Emma is saying and what then it's goes in it. One ounce of vodka. Um, Midori is pretty sweet, so I would do unflavored vodka, but if you want a flavor, you can do that too. And then it's one ounce of white rum, um, and then lemonade to taste, however much you want in there. And then you just build the ingredients over ice, and then you top it with a lemonade, and you stir it. All right, so we have our Midori in. And, oh my gosh, fizzy. <laughs> is that your stomach? That was not mine. It wasn't me. All right, putting in the rum. rum a dum dum Yeah, it looks pretty gross. All right, rum, vodka, vodka, Midori. So now we got the vodka. We went with some really cheap Svedka. Because when you're mixing, my, it doesn't any really matter. If my high school friends are listening to this, you'll know how I'm reacting to this <laughs> being in my presence. I'm trying not to smell it. I've heard this is pretty tasty. I mean, that was just the internet trying to get me to get the recipe, but still. All right. Everything mixed together except for the lemonade. And it says lemonade to taste. I don't know. I don't really want my drink to be super strong because, like I said, I haven't had anything to drink for a minute. And I am not trying to get shitty at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Why not? Ooh, I might listen to that. Glug, glug. It's like radio theater. Is that good? Yeah, that's good. All right. Looks like the green ooze. <laughs> looks radioactive. Kind of looks like liquid flubber. All right, we're gonna try it. All right, give it a stir. All right, cheers. Cheers. Mm. 
Not bad. It's pretty tasty. All I can taste is the Svedka. Really, I don't taste it at all. Hmm. I also just brushed my teeth, so. I give this two thumbs up. <clears throat> I'm gonna apologize ahead of time. It's pretty good. For the throat clearing and things, and I know I'm going to be doing because I am still on the mend here. Actually, I really like this drink a lot. It's pretty tasty. The melon's mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're gonna dive back in to the really terrifying tale of Roland Doe. I'm gonna give a teeny little recap, but not much because you need to listen to episode one if you haven't. So we left off with he and his family playing Monopoly. Remember they had like a little bit of a brief reprieve. We're feeling, he was feeling better and a little more normal. Unfortunately, the happy times did not last. And on Thursday, March 17th, uh, the devil began reaching out to Roland again. All three priests arrived at the house around 9 p.m. that day, and the crazy events were becoming so worrisome that Roland's dad flew in from Maryland to be with the family. Roland told his parents that he was getting really sleepy around 9, so they helped him get ready for bed. He was so exhausted that they had a difficult time keeping him awake long enough to change his clothes. But eventually, he did fall asleep. Once again, Roland began fighting the invisible force. So, like we said before, he was like kind of going in and out of these fits and these tantrums where he was literally fighting the devil. And, and when he came to, he was recollecting and saying that he was like physically fighting the devil. Father Bishop blessed him with holy water. And at this point, he was so strong in a state that it was taking two and three grown men to actually hold him down so that they could do any blessings or things on him and it was during this episode that he started spinning so if you've seen the exorcist you know that they made a pretty big show of um linda blair spitting on people and that was because it actually did happen what the pea soup yeah the pea soup well that was her vomiting but <laughs> this is like actual like just violently meanly spitting on people which is pretty freaking gross and he had what they have described as like really super great aim because most of the time he had his eyes closed and could just move his head with his eyes closed toward the people in the room and just like spit on them without even looking so i don't know if that's some demonic devilly power but it's a little gross yeah he spit directly in his mom dad and uncle's faces and Unlike today, not the kids today are spitting in their parents' faces, but you got to remember the time for this. This is really, really, really off-color behavior for anyone, especially during this time. And despite the effort he was putting forth in fighting the demon and, and things, um, Roland's pulse remained completely normal. And they thought that was like an indicator that there was definitely something crazy going on. Will you hand me that bottle? I'm going to put it down. Uh, they thought that the fact that his pulse was remaining normal showed that he was not exerting the effort and energy himself, that it literally was coming from some place of possession. What do you think about all this craziness? Um, do you believe this story or do you think of some kid acting crazy? Well, I mean, I don't want to disparage anything they experienced. It's definitely crazy, but it is kind of like mass hysteria yeah. sounding. Kind of. The priest made notes that 
the threats to those holding Roland at this time were not vulgar. And that's important to note because they do become very vulgar later. But they were really loud and eerie. That's the direct quote. And that he occasionally hummed a little tune or sang phrases from Swanee River in a false melody and in an extremely high pitch. And I don't know why, but that just sounds incredibly terrifying to yeah, me. That somebody's like just Tim. singing some weird old song. And I actually downloaded Swanee River. I was going to play a little bit, but it's horrible. So I'm not doing that. Feel free to look up Swanee River and play it on your on your own. So on Friday, March 18th, Roland had another spell around 1 p.m. During this time, his father held him tight in his arms with his mom while his mom and aunt prayed the rosary. And that's like a common thing, I guess, that people do, Catholics do, to try and um, get rid of evil spirits and feel connected to God. This lasted for about an hour, and then Fathers Bowdern, Bowdern Bishop, and Halloran arrived at the home around 7 p.m., and everybody kind of chatted and played a game with Roland before he went to bed at 8.15. So there were lots of times between these full-on possession moments and other times where he was completely normal and they tried to capitalize on that because it was really mentally exhausting for Roland and his family to be in this state all the time. It's good that they could do that because I feel like if I witnessed someone acting this way every night, I probably wouldn't want to be around them even when they were normal. No, I think I would be terrified. Yeah. I mean, probably be a little easier if it were your kid, but I don't know. Like, what if that, like, you're sibling i'd be like that kid's yeah it'd be like no nope. <laughs> we're not playing monopoly tonight <laughs> yeah i don't want to play clue you scare me yeah um before bed roland prayed the rosary with the priest at his bedside and then the fathers began the litany of saints which is part of the exorcism ritual during the litany the mattress began to shake and roland was awake the whole time the shaking only stopped when father father bowdern blessed the bed with holy water at this time, they continued the prayers of exorcism, and Roland seized violently and began to struggle with his pillow and the sheets. It took three men to hold him down. They were holding his arms, legs, and head, and he contorted in ways not humanly possible. This is where you get a lot of the um, contortion in the movie from this particular scene, where he was literally like moving himself and writhing in a way that they said that the human body should not be able to trying to get away from yeah trying to get away from those who were holding him down and when he was sprinkled with holy water he screamed in a diabolical and high-pitched voice so having really visceral physical reactions to the holy water being sprinkled on him there are a few times during this ordeal that roland became fully conscious because he was in and out of consciousness however he was unable to remember what had happened to him while he was subdued and possessed He did feel the residual pain from fighting the people holding him, um, but he did not recall why he was fighting them or having done it at all. So kind of like when you work out and then the next day you wake up and you're really sore. It was kind of similar. It's kind of like when you get drunk and then you wake up the next day and you have (laughs) a massive bruise and you're like, oh, I don't know where that came from. But I can feel it. Yeah, very similar. I'm going to take another drink here. Um, Shortly after that, they began the exorcism again. Roland had been in the middle of prayer with Father Bowdern, but he immediately started back into his fits and his tantrums. Fits and the tantrums. 
It escalated to the point that Roland was standing up in his bed, fighting with all of those around him. He shouted, jumped, and swung his fist. So he was trying to physically attack everybody. And they said his face was devilish, and he snapped his teeth in fury. So he was, like, biting at people. and uh. He even snapped and tried to bite Father, Father Bowdern's hand, and he bit those who were holding him down. So they're, like, fighting this kid. He's acting like a wild animal at this point. By midnight, there appeared to be a big change in Roland. He stood up in the bed, then dropped to his knees and quietly went through the Solomon's prayer four or five times, not the Psalms. While bowing in prayer, Roland repeated things like, Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us, and the words of the Hail Mary. He then began to beat rhythmically on his pillow. I don't know why this scares me so much, but it sounds so scary. Those present said it sounded like the trotting of horses. So he's in bed and he's like beating like Monty Python, <laughs> like horses trotting. And then he rose again and began fighting for the eviction of the devil. He gyrated in all directions, pulled the upper part of his underwear off and held his arms high above his head in supplication, which is like in a begging to be set freeway. Then he made as though he were trying to vomit from his stomach. So he's like, pantomiming, vomiting, because he, or dry heaving, I guess, would be the best way to explain it. And they said his gestures moved upwards, and it seemed as though he was trying to lift the devil up from his stomach to his throat. So he's, like, really retching and trying to get the devil out. He asked that the window be opened, and in a happy and victorious mood, he sweetly said, he's going, going, and finally, there he goes. So he thought that the devil had left him like during this violent vomiting session. His body fell limp upon the bed in a perfectly relaxed condition and everything seemed completely normal. So to everybody observing and Roland and everything, it seemed like the exorcism had been a success. This is um, not the case, of course. When they asked him what happened, when they questioned him about his time, Roland said that he saw a huge dark cloud of black vapor in front of him that had like came out of his body. And in that black vapor, there was a figure in a black robe who walked away into the clouds. After this, Roland got out of bed, put on his robe and walked the priest out. So he was acting pretty normal. He was very happy and seemed to have made a complete recovery by 1 a.m. This happiness, however, was short-lived, and at 2 a.m., Roland felt a strange sensation in his stomach and began to call out fearfully, He's coming back! He's coming back! Father Bowdoin was called back in at 3.15, and they began the exorcism again. This lasted until 7.30 a.m., when Roland was finally able to fall into a natural sleep. So, poor kid. Mm -hmm. Poor priests too they're probably so tired <coughs> probably i'm sorry i'm gonna be coughing a little bit imagine like leaving at one you're like oh we did it the devil's gone i did it and then you're called back like an hour later because you indeed did not do it yeah that'd be horrible what's matt i think hannah's coming downstairs oh okay we'll be right back <laughs> we're gonna take a little pause Okay, we're back. The exorcists are back at the house. It's Saturday, March 19th. 
It's around 7 o'clock when they get there, and Roland goes to bed about 8 p.m. because he is super exhausted from all the ordeals that are happening. He's at hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> <laughs> all of the ordeals that are happening. They're eating a lot of appetizers. <laughs> he needs to go to bed. Shut up. Um, they began the exorcism at 8 o'clock, and during this time, <clears throat> Roland violently began shouting, laughing fiendishly, barking like a dog, and snapping his teeth diabolically at everybody around him. Those that were present were really shocked because before this began, Roland had never been violent ever. He was a pretty chill kid. There were several, several occasions when the exorcist asked for a sign and Roland uncontrollably urinated. Prior to the urination, Roland had doubled over with pain in his stomach and woke up crying. When he awoke, he complained that the urine burned him and his throat. And during the exorcism rite, Roland sang songs beautifully and in a clear and professional manner, which they said he did not possess that ability. He did not have a good singing voice. He was not known to be able to carry a tune, but for some reason, during his possession, he was able to sing just like he was, you know, a, a professional. On, yeah, like he was on tour, and they didn't understand why that was. He also called out playfully to one of the priests present over and over again, like kind of toying with him and playing with him. And it was really playful until the priest did not respond. And then his voice became really harsh and his expression became really mean. And he said, Father, redacted, they didn't say his name, you stink, which was, sounds kind of like a really minor thing to say to someone, but as a family who was very respectful of religious figures. It was pretty shocking. Shortly after this, Roland began to violently fight the demon until 3 a.m. when he fell into a deep slumber. The exorcist waited for an hour and a half and then they left. Um, some of the vulgarities that they noted Roland saying this night were, because remember we talked before about how he hadn't been using vulgarities yet, but now he is. Um, Get away from me, you assholes. Go to hell, you dirty sons of bitches. <laughs> God damn you, sons of bitches, and you dirty assholes. So, quite salty language like someone for... someone who just learned bad words. <laughs> yeah, quite salty language for someone who was not known for salty language. Well, she's just, like, using this all as an excuse to <laughs> let his frustrations out. I don't know. It seems like a pretty elaborate plan to just pee yourself in bed. <laughs> and then there's a few days where not a whole lot really happened wait the dates are just kind of messed up actually um the next day on monday that's not the next day it's a day passed oh yeah i'm sorry yeah you were right right the day yeah the day had passed so on monday march 21st uh roland's family was losing a lot of sleep and his mom had to be taken to the doctor for exhaustion so they decided that it was best for roland to go to the hospital and that would kind of give everybody a little bit of a break because these priests have been coming in every day like 7 or 8 and staying sometimes until 7 in the morning and that's got to be taking a toll on the rest of the house. So it's at this point that he is brought to the Alexian Brothers Hospital which is in St. Louis. Um, I believe it's Slough Hospital is what it's called today, correct? I don't know. Maybe. Slough Hospital? I think Could so. Um, St. Louis University Hospital and there's actually a lot of stories that I'll get to later but um, this wing I don't believe, I think it was burned down um it accidentally burned down but there's been a lot of talk about some 
crazy things that have happened to this day in that part of the hospital where this happened. So he goes to the Alexian Brothers Hospital and he's put into a room away from regular patients. And they did that for his sake and for the other patient's sake so that they didn't hear him screaming in the middle of the night and so that they were able to rest and he was able to rest also. It was also thought to be a good idea for him to be away from everybody and stuff because and be at the hospital because they had special equipment for holding patients down in bed. So previously they had three or four guys that were having to hold him down. Now they're going to be able to actually strap him, strap him to, the, him to bed. the bed, which poor Roland, that sounds really scary. So he was put to bed at 10 and naturally he was afraid because like I said, they were going to strap him down. Uh, the room he was in had a barred window. There were straps on the bed. There was nothing on the walls and it didn't have an indoor doorknob. So he was essentially a prisoner in this room. I think I probably would have freaked out a little bit too. It sounds really terrifying. Especially when you're like 12 years old. Yeah, he's a little kid. Father Bowdern again began the litany of the exorcism. And this time there was no discernible reaction on the part of the devil. Uh, the priest left the room and Roland's father read prayers to help him sleep peacefully through the night. And his dad decided he was going to stay with him the whole time. Which is a pretty pro move because that's <laughs> not really nice to put your kid in there. Uh, the next morning, they decided that they were going to go ahead and take Roland home for the day. So they were trying to intermingle as much normal time as possible because it's really, it was really hard on this poor kid. The family thought Roland was okay the next day, and they decided they were going to let him stay home. So at 9.30, he went to bed. Shortly after he went to bed, the bed began to shake, and it seemed things were set to get going again. Roland's mom called Father Bishop and the three priests drove to the house and began the exorcism again around 11 p.m. The bed shook three different times during the rite, and once the exorcism was completed and the rosary recited, Roland went into a natural sleep and the priests were able to leave. And it's at this point that I kind of wonder if nothing happened when he was in the hospital tied down, but then it starts back up again when he's at the house not tied down, if there's some connection there like is he acting the way he's acting because he's able to move around more freely or was it just a brief reprieve i don't know well i mean also you could think that whatever is causing him to act this way intentionally didn't do things at the hospital mm -hmm. because i would assume that if we were to assume that whatever it is is smart and intelligent so they're like well people are watching now i'm not going to do anything because i want people to kind of think this family's crazy maybe Look at you being the non-skeptic. <laughs> well, I'm just speaking. The what roles could are reversed, happen. guys. No, I'm still a little skeptical, but that's yeah. what I would automatically think. Honestly, this whole entire story makes me way less skeptical of, than any other story I've ever. Well, also, read. imagine being like his dad, having to sleep in that room with him, where there's no doorknob on the right. inside, and <laughs> just praying that he doesn't start like peeing and screaming at him, trying to bite you and yeah. singing. Swanee River, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. It would be very scary. On Wednesday, March 23rd, Father Bowdern arranged for Roland to have a room with two beds at the college church rectory. This was so that his father could stay in the room with him and be more comfortable, which is quite nice because I think his dad probably slept in a freaking chair up until <laughs> that point. Around 9.30, Roland received some small prayers of faith, hope, love, and contrition and immediately fell into fits again. He fought, kicked, and spit so fiercely that three men could hardly hold him down. 
Throughout the course of the night, Roland was so violent that he broke Mr. Halloran's nose and caused Father Rue's nose to bleed. So he's really getting some good licks in there. Despite his eyes being closed during the attack, kind of like when he was spitting earlier, his blows were deadly accurate and very quick. So he was able to, with his eyes closed, make full-on contact to the point where he broke one guy's nose and bloodied another, which doesn't sound like normal human behavior. At the end of the prayer, Roland urinated a great deal, and when he came to again, he complained of a burning sensation from the pee. This happened four or five times during the evening, and he also passed what they described as some really foul-smelling gas, which I'm, most farts don't smell great, but I think we're to assume this was of a different... Um, Maybe it's a UTI. <laughs> it does kind of sound like he's peeing a lot. <laughs> Stop it. Once again, the language of Roland became abusive and dirty. By this time, Roland claimed to have met one of the fathers in hell during the year 1957. So he's saying, I was in hell, it was 1957, and you were there, buddy. And he said he was surprised to find the father in hell. And then he began to speak of his own penis in a vile way. And I'm not sure I'll be able to get through this without <laughs> laughing because it's ridiculous. He referred to it as, see, Emma's laughing, <laughs> a beautiful pecker, a willy-dilly-pilly so round, so firm, with a red top and a hole in the middle. Ew. He then, yeah, he then pulled the towel from his crotch and shook his body in a suggestive and shimmying fashion. So this is... The part of the Exorcist movie, if you've seen it, where Emma likes to say her favorite line. (laughs) I'll say it when the time's right. Okay. Um, So he is really escalating in his dirty talk, and um, it's disgusting. His His expressions were said to be very lowly and smacked of the abuse of sex. So he was definitely... um, talking in a manner that was not normal for him. When Roland would regain consciousness on the rare occasion, he would say the men down in hell were using filthy language. It should be noted that Roland did not use profane language in normal life, and he was not exposed to such language. His family didn't talk like that. I mean, I'm sure he probably was, like, on the playground and things like that. But but I'm not sure any kid on the playground saying anything about their beautiful (laughs) willy-dilly-pilly. Because they probably would have gotten their ass beat for being (laughs) disgusting and weird, yeah. But finally, around 2.30 a.m., Roland, after contorting, barking, and singing, finally fell limp into sleep. This poor kid is really going through it, man. And it just keeps escalating. Everyone involved is going through it. Yeah, it it really does keep escalating. So the next day, back at the rectory, Roland began having reactions at 9.45 p.m., and they lasted until 2.30 a.m., Father Bishop thought this would be the last night since it was the Feast of St. Gabriel, but Father Bowdern um, was still clinging to the belief that the X that they had seen earlier on Roland was still supposed to be interpreted as the 10th day, and that wasn't until the next night. Roland had great physical strength again on this night, and it took four men to hold him down. He also screamed, barked, sang, urinated, passed more foul-smelling gas, and hurled insults at people. At this time, he claimed to meet another one of the fathers in hell in the, in the year 1956 and called him a big, big fat ass and an ox. <laughs> I do not know if he was indeed a big fat ass and an ox, but 
Roland seemed to and think hell he, he was. was. <laughs> yeah. He also made up rhymes to insult Michael, who was a workman that was trying to help. This was nothing compared to the filthiest talk that began around midnight when the Feast of Annunciation began. Roland spoke of kissing his pecker and using it for pleasure. Then he would ask the room, isn't it pretty? He also turned to the priests at his bedside and told them, you have big pricks too, and you like to rub them up and down. You have big teeth, you big ox. <laughs> I know. <laughs> start using that one. Uh, then he made a suckling sound and told the exorcist to cut out the damn Latin and get away from me, you goddamn bastards. <laughs> Around 2 a.m., Roland taunted the bystanders and said in a coy tone, You like to stay with me? Well, I like it too. Praying he had no... Praying had no noticeable effects this night, but Roland did eventually fall asleep around 2.30 a.m. and slept until 11.30 a.m., which sounds a lot like my last 10 days. <laughs> On Friday, March 25th, Roland was still at the rectory and was very restless and could not sleep. Remember this the night they thought it would be over. Spoiler alert, it's not. The group of priests prayed outside his door, but Roland only fell into brief and fitful periods of what they called not real sleep. He fell out of the bed, but didn't get hurt. At one point, he walked awkwardly into the arms of Father Bowdern and Father Rue. Shortly before midnight, he lay prone on his back with his arms stiff at his side. He began a leg and arm movement similar to a gymnastics exercise. His arms moved out straight from his body and then moved back in straight lines to the side of his body. So he was doing some weird gymnastics contortion. This movement was done in total silence, which made everybody else kind of like really eerie to see mm -hmm. someone performing such acrobatic feats and not making any sound at all. I would imagine that would have been a little scary to watch. After midnight, there was some pitching and flailing about, but for not, not for very long of intervals. Uh, Roland at this time began to curse his father and spit on him again, and he kicked at the priests and things. These poor guys, I don't know why they keep coming back. He fell into a deep sleep at 1 a.m. This was the 10th night since the exorcism began. On Monday night, the home was blessed by Father Bowdern, and no disturbances occurred on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday nights. It appeared Roland was getting his life back to normal. Kind of, sort of. And we are going to take a teeny break right here so I can get some more of this green demon drink because it's pretty good, and I'm a little thirsty. So, BRB. And we are back. Um, it, Like I said, it appeared that everything was kind of getting back to normal. That is until Thursday, March 31st. At 11.30 p.m., Roland went downstairs and complained that he was feeling ill and that his feet felt cold and then hot. So it was like back and forth, like my feet are cold, my feet are hot, which I think is not an abnormal feeling if we're getting sick to have hot spells and cold spells. But... It wasn't normal sickness. When the family went up to the bedroom with him, the disturbances began again. First the shaking of the bed, and then he began to write on the sheet with his finger, explaining between spells that he seemed to be reading from a blackboard. The family was unable to make out what he was writing on the sheet, because he was kind of like writing with his hand. <clears throat> and then he began to tell them what he was seeing on the blackboard, and his cousin started taking notes. So 
the cousin took the following notes. It said, I will stay 10 days, but will return in four. If you stay and become a Catholic, it will stay away. God will take it away four days after it is gone 10 days. God is getting powerful. The last day when it quits, it will leave a sign on my front. Father Bishop and all people that tangle with me will die a terrible death. So this is what Roland is saying that he is seeing, which is really scary, heavy stuff. The family called the rectory about midnight, and Fathers Bowdern and Van Rue arrived at the house at about 1 a.m. Father Bowdern began the rite of exorcism, and I've tried to look up some of these things because there's a lot of Catholic terms that I'm not real familiar with. So if you are Catholic and you want to educate me a little bit on the rites of exorcism, I'd appreciate it because at the Precipio, which is I'm, near as I can figure, it's like a really pivotal part of the rite of exorcism. It's kind of like climax. A, a, yeah, like a climax. That would be a good way to say it. Um, so at this point, Roland, while in a spell, called for a pencil. He addressed one or both of the people... Pete, and most frequently referred to as Joe. So he's talking to these people, Pete and Joe. <clears throat> he began to write with it on the head of the bed with the pencil that was covered with a white cloth. So he's able to then, instead of having somebody dictate for him, he's writing on his own. This process of being in a spell and writing happened eight or nine times throughout the night. They did their best to record most of what he wrote, and the family washed away the writing a few times to make room for more. The following is a record of most of the writing, but is not complete as some, some things were repeated. <clears throat> so they asked him a set of questions. In response to the first set of questions, he wrote the numer Roman numeral X. It was clearly the numeral with crossbars at the top and the bottom, so it wasn't just a regular X. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. This was written four times on this first occasion and was repeated several times during the exorcism. Usually an answer to the question diem, which means day. So they'd ask him what day, and he would write the Roman numeral X. And then the second thing he wrote, I will stay 10 days, and then we'll return after the four days are up. So very similar to what he was saying before. He said, I am the devil himself. You will have to pray for a month in the Catholic Church. In answer to the command to give nomini, nomen lingua latina, or why do you speak Latin, the answer was, I speak the language of the persons. The word language was misspelled. He said, I will put in Roland's mind when he wakes, makes up his mind that the priests are wrong about writing English. I will, that is the devil, will try to get his mother and dad to hate the Catholic Church. I will answer in the name of spite. So the devil's becoming pretty brazen and giving his plan, saying what he's doing and thinking. In 10 days, I will give a sign on his chest. He will have to have it covered to show my power. And then he drew a strange thing that looked somewhat like a map with 2,000 feet written on it, apparently connected with early dreams about hidden treasure and a map to find it. Uh, it is said that that is, was this one connection um, that he had and that it was also something about the Ouija board. So it said, yeah, this is what I got on the Ouija board. He drew a face also and wrote the words dead bishop. So he's like kind of going back to things that he had learned in the beginning. Emma just looked at me crazy because I kind of got a little convoluted yeah, there like, for a what? sec. Because they really, like, I'm reading the diary and there's times where it didn't make a whole lot of sense and you had to stop and really try to translate. 
So basically, they said that when he wrote, what he wrote, like the 2,000 feet in the thing that looked like a map, what you're saying is that it correlated with something that happened earlier, mm -hmm. like in the exorcism. Way early, like yeah. even before, like, because you know how? Because he had a dream about hidden treasure in a map yeah. and how to find it. Okay. And they had asked the, remember they had asked the aunt where the treasure was? Yeah. And so it's, a, and it's pertaining the aunt to that. that started it all. Yeah, aunt, crazy lady who... <laughs> Came back from the dead, supposedly. And it. they also said, you will not believe me, then Roland will suffer forever. So if you don't believe them, he's going to take his soul to hell. And when commanded to give a sign in Latin, he wrote meaningless marks on the paper. They were not even letters of the Roman alphabet, which I think is kind of telling. They asked the devil to respond in Latin, he should be able to do so. But the kid was like, no, scratch well, mark, scratch mark. He's already like, written in Latin, though. Yeah. So maybe he just didn't want to. And he's like, screw you, I'm done. <clears throat> On Friday, April 1st, the family and Roland agreed for him to be baptized Catholic, which is a big deal because the family was not Catholic. They were Lutheran. Roland had been being instructed in the Catholic doc doctrine since Wednesday, March 23rd, under the direction of Father McMahon. It had been previously decided that Roland would be confirmed in the Lutheran church, but the recent events... And Roland's own personal choice changed that. The family decided they were going to let him decide what he wanted to do. Plus, I would imagine all of the um, possession probably made him a little more of a firm believer in the well, rights Yeah, and he was also given, like, a clear instruction. Like, you'll have to pray for a month in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Like, I'm not leaving until you become Catholic, essentially. Which is quite a hell of a way to get somebody to convert. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Sponsors were picked, and the baptismal party was set to arrive at the college church between 8 and 8.30 p.m. As the party of five relatives drove from Roland's home, Roland felt a strange sensation again on his feet that alternated between feelings of hot and cold. Not too long after, he went into one of his spells and began saying, So, you are going to baptize me, ha-ha, and you think you will drive me out with Holy Communion, ha-ha. He then grabbed the steering wheel while his uncle was driving, and his uncle was forced to pull to the curb in order to subdue the violence. So he, like, freaked out and started trying to, like, run him off the road. There's <clears> five <throat> people in that car, and not a single one thought to <laughs> not let him grab the steering wheel. Were they letting him ride shotgun? No, he was in the back seat and, like, lunged forward. Of course, he's like, oh, I'm not touching it. Roland <laughs> stiffened up and fought his uncle. It was a major task to remove him. Oh, no, he was in the front seat. It was a major task for them to remove him from the front seat and force him into the back of the car. Roland's father and uncle held him in the back seat while Roland's aunt drove. Even with careful supervision, Roland leaped up to grab his aunt while she was driving. Um, and then they had a side note. It literally says in here, things, sing, things of note. The radio in the car would be operating completely normal when Roland was fine. Like, they'd be listening to music. And the minute he would go into, like, one of his spells and start attacking people, the radio would stop working. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so there's some serious demon interference going on. Once they got to the church, it was really difficult for three men to carry Roland into the rectory from the car. And when he was inside, he began to shout and spit. He was thrown on the floor of one of the parlors, and ice-cold water was thrown on him in an effort to bring him out of his spell. And that did not work. Both Roland's father and uncle were left completely exhausted from the battle, and Roland was carried to the third floor of the rectory and placed on the bed. There was, at that time, little hope that they were going to actually be able to do the baptism in front of the presence of the chosen sponsors because he was acting so crazy. 
So Michael, the workman that was mentioned before, was chosen as a stand-in for the family. Roland was in and out of seizures for, for, for short periods, but there was... Um, not enough time. Not enough time for the long profession of faith and abjuration of hearsay. So he, they weren't able to do everything that they wanted to do. Father Bowdern had Roland repeat the words of a briefer form just to try and get the baptism underway. Then, he, then the regular procedure from the baptism of infants followed. However, when Roland was asked, does thou renounce Satan, he went into another fit. The action was repeated three or four times, but Roland went off before he could answer to the question with the words, I do renounce him. Sorry, I can just see the uh, one of my cat's toys just slowly bounce down the stairs. We're going to start calling this Monsters, Mixers, and Cats <laughs> because every single episode we have a cat-related issue. And this is... Godiva is playing with her <laughs> poof on the stairs. At least she's trying to be quiet about it. <clears throat> Freaking cats. So, finally, Roland was able to... He was able to be normal long enough to give answers. When Father Bowdern came to the baptism proper, the physical resistance exceeded any violence of any previous evenings. He was able to remain conscious for the words, and I'm going to butcher this, Ego te baptismo and nomine patris. Baptizo, not baptismo. <laughs> I didn't say baptismo, did I? <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, like gazpacho. Well, and then there was a violent <laughs> upheaval. Nonetheless, the baptism was completed with a generous amount of baptismal water. It seemed from the reactions that the Lutheran baptism that he had had previously had not been administered properly or that it had not taken effect. After the baptism, the Catholic baptism, the prayers of the exorcism were continued and the usual spitting, gyrating, cursing, and physical violence continued until 11.30 p.m. So it's this poor kid. Yeah. It's, just, it's something, man. I don't know. I think I probably would have given up and ran away. At this point, they think the end is near. <clears throat> I'm not so sure I believe that. On Saturday, April 2nd, Roland awoke at 9.30 a.m. He was agitated and threw a pillow at the light, breaking both the shade and the bulb. He also broke a crockery basin that was in his room. And I looked this up because I did not know what a crockery basin was. And it's a portable, like, um, bowl, like a bowl basin that um, has a pitcher with it that old-timey people would, like, carry to the side of the bed to use, like, wash your hands and things. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I actually kind of want one. It sounds kind of cool. And why wouldn't he break things or throw shit today? It's only the day he was to receive his first Holy Communion, so the devil was probably a little nervous about that. Fathers Bishop and O'Flattery were called in to assist Father Bowdern in the preparation for the Holy Communion, and right away they knew there was going to be a struggle, despite there not being any difficulty in going through the conditional confession. When Father Bowdern began the prayers for the Holy Communion, Roland went into his spell, kept his eyes shut and his mouth closed. So I always, I kind of picture like an obstinate child, like with their mouth, like clamped closed. But he was not hard to hold at this time. Roland rallied for brief moments, yet whenever Father Bowdern brought the Eucharist particle near him, he went into a spell. On five different occasions, when the particle was placed in Roland's mouth, he spit it into the corporal, which they held up in front of his mouth out of caution because they knew he was going to be doing that. After nearly two hours of vain attempts, so they were trying to give him the Holy Communion for two hours, 
Father O'Flattery suggested that they pray the rosary of, in honor of Our Lady of Fatima, especially since this was the first Saturday of the month, which I guess is something special and holy. When the fathers completed the rosary, another attempt was made with the Holy Communion, and this time Roland was able to swallow, and he made his first Holy Communion under what they considered was extraordinary opposition. Roland finished dressing himself and prepared to leave for home. Father Bowdern asked Father O'Flattery to drive the car while he himself, Roland's father, and Roland sat in the back seat. It was about 11.45 a.m., only a few minutes after the car was in motion, Roland jumped up off the seat and grabbed Father O'Flaherty and had to be pulled off of him with force. Why is he always attacking these people driving? Roland was not normal on the road for more than a few minutes at a time, and at home he came to long enough to eat a fairly good-sized breakfast. During the remainder of the day, there were only brief intervals of consciousness. The sacraments had stirred up Satan more than any other thing to date. Fathers Bowdern, Bishop O'Flattery, and Michael arrived at Roland's home at 7.40 p.m., where the spells continued until around 8.40, when Roland came to and ate a bowl of ice cream. So, these moments of brevity where he is very um, normal make my heart ache so much for this poor kid. It's kind of weird. It is weird, but it's so sad. Like, he's eating breakfast one minute and then fighting for his <laughs> eternal soul the next. You know, and then he's like, oh... I'm going to have some ice cream and play Monopoly, and then I'm going to spit on you and yeah. bite you. It's really quite scary. At 11.15, Roland round, ran downstairs and sat on the arm of a parlor chair. So he's kind of feeling, I guess, a little normal for a sec. But he's becoming so, he was becoming so nervous that he could hardly stay in the bedroom, so that's why he ran downstairs. Father Bowdern feared Roland would become violent downstairs, so he asked Roland to go back to the bedroom. In typical teenager fashion, Roland trotted up the stairs, so he's kind of like huffing up the stairs. Once upstairs, he ran straight to his room toward the reliquary. Reliquary? What do we think? I have no clue. <laughs> All these fancy words. Of the Holy Cross. Uh, Father O'Flattery caught his hand before it could reach the container, but Roland was able to reach the open ritual and tore four pages out of the exorcism formula. The priests say he was able to grasp the formula with lightning speed. So he's getting superhuman speed again. Father Bowdern commanded Roland to respond to the precipio, precip yeah, precipio, but the only response was stick it up your ass, no, or laughing in ridicule. At 12.15, his spells continued, and Roland still refused to answer to the prayers. However, writing appeared on him. Again, the letters GO were printed in red as they were on the first night of the exorcism. At the command, Dickus Meal Team, three parallel scratches appeared on Roland's thigh. And then at Horum, an X was branded, and three eights were branded on different parts of his body. I'm not sure what the significance of the eight, and they never mention it again, so I don't know what that means. At 1.15 a.m., Roland was so nervous that he begged to get out of his bed and sit on a chair. His hands trembled in a nervous frenzy, and he begged his father to take him back to Washington on Sunday. He said he could not stand the ordeal any longer, and he feared he was going crazy, which I think is a normal way to think. Finally, around 1.40 a.m., he fell into a natural sleep and was granted reprieve for the night. The eights could be like infinity. Yeah, maybe. Like forever. It's possible. Maybe they misinterpreted it and thought it was an eight mm -hmm. and it wasn't. <laughs> you got a basic white girl tattoo? <laughs> I do not, but 
He does. No, I said he did. Yeah. <laughs> On Sunday, April 3rd at 7 a.m., rolling through a pillow against the ceiling light, but then went back to sleep. There was another short seizure at 8.30, but Roland went back to sleep until 11.30 and then ate breakfast. He is a late riser. About noon, Roland walked downstairs but went into spells several time, times. None of them were serious until around 4 p.m. when Roland and his family were outside. They were playing ball. He was playing ball with his dad and two uncles and a cousin. And this makes me so sad because he's just trying to have a normal day. At one point, he tried to throw the ball to his father, but he began to stagger as if he was drunk. His father rushed over to his assistance, and then Roland began to run in a straight line across the lawns of two neighbors. He ran with his eyes shut and with high speed, which I don't know if I should laugh at that or be terrified that he's just running with his eyes closed. It's so terrifying. Um, three men closed in on him and then carried him back home. When he got home, he lifted the heavy kitchen table with one of his legs. He ate very little supper and seemed really abnormal. On one occasion, he wrapped his arms around a leg of the table, but was pulled away by means of a strong force. So there's like an invisible force pulling him away from the table. Father's Bowdern, well, I don't know why that one gives me so much trouble. Van Rue, Bishop and O'Flattery arrived at the home. Flaherty. O'Flaherty. You keep saying flattery. (laughs) It's bothering me. No one ever would have known. No one would have known. Kind of a popular (laughs) name. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, Flaherty. I've been in a weekend state. Leave me alone. Arrived at the home at 7 p.m. Within a few minutes, Roland had a spell in which he grabbed his aunt and would have torn her dress if several men had not come to her assistance. We don't give enough credit to the um, real MVPs in this story, which are the aunt and uncle, which let him come to their house and live. Cause yeah. I love my nieces and my nephew. And they, like, drove him everywhere. Hell no. Helped him out. Yeah. He was then carried upstairs fighting but came to himself shortly after he was thrown onto the bed. This was Passion Sunday, which is another Catholic thing I don't know. So the fathers thought that God would put an end to Roland's suffering on this night. The exorcism was began in full, but there was no response to the precipio. This night brought about a new horror. Roland began singing and shouting in a rhythmic fashion to his little cousin, You will die tonight. You will die tonight. Poor little cousin. The only way they were able to get him to stop and be quiet was to hold a pillow over his face. So that's really fucked up. By 9.30, from 9.30 to midnight, there were no other disturbances except snoring and restless sleep. So the fathers departed at midnight. This was apparently not a good idea because Roland began causing more trouble at 12.30 to the point that it became necessary to bind his arms with tape and place gloves on his hands. He complained of pain from the tape and the heat of the gloves, so the family removed them, which was again not a great idea since Roland flew into a violent rage when they did, and the house was not quiet again until 3.30 a.m. So this is getting, we're getting close to what they think is probably the end of here, but on Monday, April 4th, they made arrangements for the family to go back to Washington, D.C. by train. Because Roland's father had lost a lot of time from work, and the strain upon the St. Louis family was beginning to take a toll. Got the aunt getting her clothes ripped, the poor little cousin being told he's going to die, and the family's just kind of, everybody's just tired and done at this point. Fathers Bowdern and Van Rue were set to accompany Roland and his parents on the trip. Um, During the train ride, it was very difficult to rouse Roland from his sleep, but cold water dashed in his face brought him out 
sufficiently enough so that he could be dressed. He was taken to the railroad station accompanied by his father, mother, uncle, and a friend of the family. There was no difficulty boarding the train, and Roland walked and chatted normally. What happened on the trip and thereafter was actually put into a different report, and that's where we're going to pick up next time. Um, because this is already kind of a long episode. This is part two of our three-part series. And um, I don't know, anything you want to talk about before we end it for the day? Anything stand out? Um, Could drink my green tea and my idea. Nothing really stands out, but it's it's just weird because you think like he's sleeping a lot because he's tired, and then you almost have like a thing in your head where like it starts at the same time every night, and it's almost. Like, from a skeptic point of view, you're almost thinking, like, okay, we have this, like, what is he, 14? I think so. 14-year-old kid who is, like, staying up late every night and, like, causing a ruckus and, like, peeing everywhere and saying vulgarities and sleeping in all day. And then, like, he'll have really big breakfasts and he'll do, like, all this stuff. So it's almost kind of just, like... Are you saying he's, it's like, weird living, that, living it up? It's weird that at night, like, he's, like virtually unrecognizable and then the next day they're just like okay let's eat a big breakfast and then later like you're gonna have another spout and right after that we'll give you a bowl of ice cream like it's such a weird response i understand that they want like well you have to normalcy whatever but it's not normal it's not normal but he has to have food and things i mean he has to be able to stay alive it's just weird i don't know yeah like the dichotomy is very strange to think that like this kid is literally, like, ruining, like, telling people that, like, they're going to go to hell. Yeah. And that priests are going to die, and that his little cousin's going to die, and then they're like, okay, let's have eggs. (laughs) Like, what? Eggs and bacon, and here's some rocky road. Yeah, you literally just try to, like, run your entire family off the road. I think that, to me, is the part that scares me the most, is that they are normal people. It is, like, they have no reason to make this stuff up. Like, you know what I mean? I guess, yeah. And, I mean, if the parents thought that he was faking, this was during a time when your mom and dad would not hesitate to beat your ass if they thought they needed to get you straight. You know, so the fact that the parents are really convinced that this is real, I think, actually adds, adds a lot of credence to the story. It's also weird that the dad, like, just now entered the story. Yeah, so, I thought like, that earlier, too. His mom and his aunt and uncle have literally been going through hell for like seven days and then he's like oh i guess i should probably come down there because it's getting bad but he probably i mean he was probably the sole earner for the family and had to pay the bills and i guess but like what maybe he thought that the priest would be able to take care of it way sooner well he thought wrong maybe and i feel like maybe he was enjoying a vacation maybe he was at home eating bonbons and relaxing i'm sure he was probably torn up about it We'll see. Uh, I don't know. He's like, I gotta get back to work. We gotta go back. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just weird. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you have yeah, responsibility. day off. My son is currently possessed <laughs> by Satan. Yeah, that is one. That is definitely weird. I don't know. Different strokes for different folks, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Alright, so this is part two. Um, for part three, we <coughs> oh. are... Uh-oh. Sorry. We are not choked. going to have a new, uh, a new drink for part three, but... If you would like to join us in a drink, we are going to either have our Shandy or the Green Demon. So it depends on which one we feel like making at the time. Remember, the Shandy was the beer and lemonade. 
and the green demon is the one we just had. You can find all the recipes on Facebook where we would like for you to go and like and follow us if you have not yet. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll just kind of take a little break and be back in a couple days with part three. That I think we're going to have a guest on part three. Oh, yeah. In part three, yeah. we will have um, Neil French, who is a friend of mine from work and a very avid exorcist um, buff, I guess would be a good word, but um, has done the extensive research and he's going to actually bring some information about the movie set and things that happen. It's considered one of the cursed movies. And that yeah. will be really super cool. So we'll wrap up the story and then we'll have more of like an open conversation or dialogue about yeah, different things and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, we will see you next time when we dive into another terrifying tale and concoct a new delicious drink to wash down the horror. Now get out there and meet some ghosts. And make some toasts. <laughs>